Hello. Hi. Welcome back. Uh, It's been a while. Look, we were going to take a month off and then the world kind of like started ending or like kept ending, but in new and exciting ways, you know, like there was a little bit more pandemic, uh, but then also some flooding and like the Cold War started again. And then some other things that I feel like I've blocked out because I don't have the bandwidth. So we pushed it back a bit and then like a little bit more. And now it's the end of March because linear time is a cruel mistress. But we're back now. I'm ready to party just on a slightly different fortnightly schedule. That'll hopefully give us some time to get a bit more organized and you a little break in the middle. Anyway, pop culture waits for no man. And beyond the looming threat of total social and economic collapse, celebrities have continued to wear beautiful dresses and say stupid things. Movies continue to be made and like 97% of them continue to be about comic books. Fans continue to argue about which global pop star is an underappreciated icon, despite said underappreciated icon being literally a global pop star worth millions of dollars. So it's basically business as usual. Things do feel a little bit off, though, and I'm trying to work out if it's me or the world. So I thought I could take you guys along for the ride so we can work it out together. I've been seeing the Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, Pete Davidson scenario unfold on basically every available platform, and it's made me really uncomfortable. I think I'm probably being a little bit naive, but I had kind of assumed that people had at least drawn a vague line in the sand when it came to male celebrities orchestrating takedowns of former partners. Not so, apparently. I want to explore that a bit, but before we get into it, I will say that I'm going to be discussing domestic violence fairly extensively throughout this episode, and probably also in a way where it wouldn't be effective for me to just give you timestamps that you could skip to. If that's not something you can do today, please feel free to sit this one out. I'll also link some resources in the show notes if you need them. But otherwise, uh, join me as I dig into our extremely broken public forums. I'm Alex, this is Pop Culture Boner, the podcast edition, and today I'm thinking about Kanye West. I'm assuming that at this stage most people are familiar with Kim and Kanye's divorce, But it does occur to me that some people might be sensible and have set, I don't know, healthy boundaries with your social media consumption and or doom scrolling. But luckily for you, I have not. So here's a brief rundown of the story as it stands. Kanye West is a producer and rapper widely acknowledged as being a musical visionary. Kim Kardashian is a... mm, I was trying to work out what the best word would be. Wikipedia says media personality, socialite, model, and businesswoman. Uh, So I'll go with that. Anyway, she's a multi-hyphenate who essentially ushered in a whole new era of reality television. They began dating in 2012 following Kim's divorce from basketballer Chris Humphreys, a man I suspect she was only involved with because he spells Chris with a K. Kim and Kanye married in 2014 and in many ways used each other's existing presences and connections to diversify their media presence. As a serious and well-respected artist, Kanye offered Kim an aura of credibility that her career previously lacked. 
And as a moneyed and well-connected socialite, Kim allowed Kanye access to connections that he might not have been able to forge previously. Obviously, I don't have any skin in the game over whether or not they loved each other at one point, but as a couple, they were able to build out some of that old media, A-list credibility that they might not have been able to find solo. Met Gala invitations, Vogue covers, fashion lines, the sort of thing that's not usually available to new media stars who hold court on reality TV and Instagram, or for rappers who are known for their eccentricities. Then, in February 2021, Kim filed for divorce, citing irreconcilable differences. Rumours had been swirling for a while, with West becoming increasingly prone to controversial public outbursts, ranging from vocal support for Donald Trump to a presidential bid and accusations that Kris Jenner was trying to have him institutionalised. He'd previously spoken publicly about his bipolar diagnosis, and in 2018 he indicated that he'd stopped taking his medication. He said, I can't be on meds and make Watch the Throne level or dark fantasy level music, referring there to two of his most critically acclaimed albums. Despite the semi-public nature of Kanye's deteriorating mental health, Kim has been as generally tight-lipped as he can be when your public life is on television, save for a brief statement in 2020 where she referred to him as a brilliant but complicated person and indicated that she would continue to deal with the matter privately out of respect for him and for their children. Following the divorce filing, the pair seemed to be working together to co-parent pretty well. They were frequently seen together, and Kim attended a number of album events for Kanye's most recent effort. However, West frequently publicly maintained that he believed that they would reconcile, and included a Kim Kardashian lookalike in a faux wedding ceremony at a performance of his new album, Donda. Then, Kim was linked to comedian Pete Davidson following her stint as a Saturday Night Live host which apparently didn't go down well with Kanye. The rapper spent all of early February publicly threatening Davidson on social media, making public call-out posts about anyone who spoke to Davidson, penning violent lyrics and destroying lookalikes in music videos. He posted a number of screenshots of text messages where Kim begged him to call off his fans as he was causing a safety issue for herself and Pete. He posted more messages where she begged him not to make every conversation they had public, This prompted Kim to file to have herself declared legally single, with her lawyers saying that Mr. West, by his actions, has made it clear that he does not accept that the party's marital relationship is over. At one point, West's PR team, or his lawyers, um, obviously took over his Instagram account and posted messages of contrition. Eventually, his Instagram account was suspended for a 24-hour period for violating the platform's policy against harassment something they're notoriously bad at enforcing anyway, and when it was reinstated, all the posts were deleted. Now, even without being someone who was particularly invested in any of these celebrities, the public fallout has been almost entirely unavoidable. It was on every news outlet all the time. I was struck with a really intense discomfort every time I encountered an article or a post about it, and I had a bit of trouble pinning down where that feeling was coming from. Initially, I thought the feeling was similar to the one I often have when I see people be too vulnerable on a public forum for no reason, like those TikToks where tweens are performing the emotion of their first breakups really self-seriously into the camera, like they won't eventually have to revisit it with the same disdain you would for your teenage diary, except now it has an audience and the potential to go viral. 
But the more I sat with it, the more I realized that what was actually upsetting to me was the behavior itself and the interaction that we were having with it as members of the public. Despite having a minimal investment in Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, or Pete Davidson, I was seeing what I had like mentally identified and catalogued as an incident of domestic violence play out as an entertainment spectacle on social media. People were following Kanye updates like it was the latest thrilling installment of some TV drama, whether they were fans or not. And on the one side, fans were really deeply invested in the relationship, praising Kanye's dedication to fighting for his family when he had a truckload of roses delivered to Kim's house, or talking about Pete interfering with their God-designed reunion. And then on the other side, people were flippantly using images West was posting on social media as meme fodder. Within 20 minutes of Kanye posting a photo of himself holding up a legal pad saying, my account has not been hacked, to clarify that the increasingly threatening posts on his Instagram were definitely coming from him, I saw three brands use that format to announce some product launch on their social feed. Now, I did say at the beginning of this episode that perhaps I'd been a little bit naive about the lack of pushback that a scenario like this would receive in the public sphere. It's not like labelling Kanye's behaviour as having a number of the hallmarks of domestic abuse is particularly radical. Even more conservative publications are able to call a spade a spade here. You can find an article right now on the Today Show website called Why Kim Kardashian West's Divorce Feels Eerily Familiar for Many Women. Gosh, I wonder what it could be. But I think that I assumed that a part of me would still be kind of horrified that men who publicly abuse their partners not only still have fans, but have fans who actively don't see this type of behavior as a problem. The more I thought about it, though, the more I realized that that's not necessarily true. We've seen much more specific, violent and targeted instances of domestic abuse play out in the public sphere with minimal consequences for the men involved. Next time one of these cases hits the headlines for these men, I want you to go to their Instagram on the day, find whatever their last post was, could be a notes app apology or it could be something else, and look at the comments. I guarantee you that they're full of fans taking it upon themselves to absolve the celebrity of whatever wrongdoing they're accused of. So knowing that there will always be a contingent of people willing to excuse certain types of behaviour because their favourite celebrity did them is a depressing thing to realise that you understand about humanity as a whole, but I don't think it was the full source of my unease. I think what I'm actually concerned about is the other end of the spectrum, the section of people who immediately took all the information and translated it into an endlessly repeatable joke product. The timeline of event to played-out meme being recycled on a mid-tier brand's Twitter was done in record time, We went from A-list rapper threatens comedian's life, attempts to intimidate ex-wife, to lol, it's funny that Kanye held a piece of paper in the space of a day, aided not only by people's own engagement with the situation, but the algorithmic mechanisms of social media that reward short bursts of uncritical attention. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot generally, The way that current media consumption trends reward minimal engagement and preference content that can be quickly consumed without prompting further thought or research. This has the effect of continually stripping away any meaningful context from a scenario 
until all you're left with is the faint outline of an issue and a vague sense of having achieved engagement by tapping like or sharing to your Instagram story. Okay, I'm going to draw a really long bow here. Uh, Stick with me. I promise that there's a point. The way that we're engaging with the Kanye West situation reminds me a lot of the war unfolding in the Ukraine. Is this the episode where I draw a line between Kanye West and the looming threat of nuclear war? Yes. Stick with me. I I promise there's a point. (laughs) When the Ukraine was invaded, there was this immediate outpouring of grief on social media. Now, I, a person who doesn't understand a lot about ongoing Eastern European conflicts following the collapse of the Soviet Union, but who does get deeply nervous in the face of intense nationalism, went with my incredibly nuanced position of war bad um, until I could bring myself to do a bit more detailed reading without wanting to walk into oncoming traffic. Imagine my surprise then when I logged into my various social media platforms to find that there was a not insignificant contingent of people who had already gotten to the place where they were lusting after the Ukrainian president Vladimir Zelensky because his leadership was making them horny or something. Now, look, I understand that in Australia, at least, I'm not sure about the rest of the world, we're just looking for someone with leadership skills, just like anyone with a spine. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that you should grab the nearest guy with a spine. He could be anyone. You don't know anything about him. But with the help of some well-placed propaganda and a reasonably charismatic leader, a whole war got dissolved into a couple of pithy sound bites in a matter of minutes. And I think at least part of the reason why is that there's been this push with social media to make it all things. Instagram is no longer just photos, it's news sites, shops, spaces for collective organising. Twitter isn't just a drip feed of the stupidest thoughts you've ever heard in your life, it's a place for news and discussion everyone's an expert. But these platforms need to make money, and to do that, they need you to engage, but not for too long. You have to keep scrolling. Users are encouraged to strip and restrip the nuance from their posts so that audiences have something they can briefly feel good about engaging with before moving on to the next post. And what that does is endlessly strip away the context from big issues so that they become nothing more than a weird blank slate for people to project jokes or an agenda onto, share, rinse, and repeat. There's a really good piece from Jason Akunde in Gorka called The Narcissism of Queer Influencer Activists, which I highly recommend reading generally. I'd narrate the whole thing to you if I could. But generally, it pushes back on this like drip feed of information that we receive through social media, using these queer influencer activists' shallow, myopic engagement with the Ukrainian conflict. He says, I sometimes want to tell people that actually you do need to read and engage with the difficulty of these issues, and you can't hope to learn through Instagram, even if you use it as a starting block. It's really hard to capture nuance in short form, and platforms don't reward engagement with that difficulty. So why bother at all when you can just resort to self-righteousness or humour? That's how we got from they're bombing civilian areas and people are going to die to duh, horny for former funny man who won't abandon his post so quickly. 
We can move on to the next piece of media, safe in the knowledge that we've saved Ukrainian children by saying, ironically, that we'd like to fuck the Ukrainian president. We just end up in this never-ending collapse of context in the face of constant, uncritical consumption. To quote a TikTok, which I saw a screenshot of on another social media platform, if you want to talk about the endless removal of context, uh, it said, I'm literally watching thirst traps followed by footage of war crimes and then an ad for moisturizer all within 30 seconds of each other. Tell me that's not causing irreversible brain damage. We've done the same thing with Kanye West, albeit in a slightly less horny way. We see his behavior play out on multiple social media platforms and being reported on by huge media outlets. And that can elicit a lot of really difficult feelings for people. Audiences can recognize his behavior as wrong and abusive. They can also recognize that it's likely to be linked with his complicated relationship with his own mental illness. Maybe they can recognize both of those scenarios in their own lives somewhere. They're also looking at someone who's produced musical works that are recognized as iconic, and unpacking the split between art and artists is the kind of broad scope question that we give first year philosophy students to highlight that thinking is actually hard. On top of that, audiences have a complicated relationship with Kim Kardashian and her wealth. The spectacle of a multimillionaire saying, get your fucking ass up and work, is so out of touch with reality that it's infuriating. She can be unlikable, and because of the way that domestic violence is packaged in the media, it's tempting to believe that her wealth would make her immune from abuse. Audiences might even have to battle with the knowledge that this immunity is an illusion, because as Nicole Froyo points out for Bitch Media, her wealth only makes resilience more attainable. It doesn't actually remove the threat. And then on top of that, there's the endless profit mechanism of tabloid media, which is desperately vying for people's attention. This is a huge mountain of emotional baggage to grapple with, and the platforms that we use to communicate with each other are not designed to encapsulate this nuance. So we start to remove it. We strip away the context, which makes it easier to engage with the scenario in a way that feels comfortable. The Kim and Kanye show can just continue unabated. It's only reality TV and it's just entertainment. The fact that it isn't immediately horrifying to everyone is horrifying in and of itself. Boiling down a targeted campaign of harassment to something that sits within the regular celebrity news cycle only serves to remove any humanity from the issue. And that has consequences. When you laugh about or think about it as just regular tabloid fodder, what are you saying to the woman who keeps trying to leave? Or the one who did and suffered doubly for it? If they're recognizing themselves here and saying so loudly and repeatedly, and you're still laughing, where does that leave them? I've obviously grappled with like media representation on this podcast before, and I often swing wildly between nothing means anything and everything means everything. But this isn't really generic media representation. It's a real-life domestic abuse situation being sold to us, devoid of context or thoughtfulness as regular reality entertainment. It feels like we're just deliberately inflicting psychic damage on ourselves to avoid having to sit with discomfort. Well, uh, those are my Kanye thoughts. 
Would you believe that the uh, first line I wrote of this episode was actually Kanye West's divorce is a bit like the war in the Ukraine? Uh, and then I read it out to a friend and they were like, Alex, no. And apparently I said, Alex, yes. And here we are. <laughs> As I said at the top of this episode, if this has brought up anything for you and you're in need of assistance, check the links in the show notes for further information. Other than that, welcome back. Uh, if you have any extremely long bows you want to draw about celebrity divorce and global geopolitics, talk to me about it next time you see me in the pub. Peace. Peace.